This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome everyone. This is really the uh, final part of a series that we began about four years ago, which is based on a comment of the Yushalmi, a comment of Shmuel and the Yushalmi. Before we begin, uh, the Shurim on Sefer Vayikra are sponsored by uh, the Zakheim family, Le'inishma Sub Shloima Eliezer Ben Harav Yaakov. We thank their Meshbacha and Sham Shamli of the for their whole family, Adbias Gold Tzedek. The Shurim are also sponsored anonymously, Lili Nishmas, my grandfather, Harav Mordechai Leib Ben Rabbi Yosef Menachem, Ganeidan Temenu Chasoy. And tonight's Shur is sponsored by our dear friend Ephraim Pinsauer, Lili Nishmas' father, Ziyartzai Deschav Zayin Nisan, Yisrael Chaim Ben Ephraim. Um, we wish him on this occasion, Hashem Shav Aliyah, and the Amel Sushar for his whole family. Okay, so this is a series we began about four years ago. It's based on a mysterious comment in the Yushalmi, where Shmuel says that in order to facilitate kavana by davening, what he does is he counts the birds. Now what does that mean, Shmuel counts the birds? How does counting the birds, how would that facilitate kavana by davening? I mean, that's the last thing you would think would help a person have kavana, counting the birds. Some people count sheep before they go to sleep. Some people count birds before they go to sleep. Um, but one would not think counting birds would facilitate kavana. And yet Shmuel says the way he's mechaving by davening is by counting the birds. What is the meaning of this uh, mysterious uh, teaching of Shmuel? And we, uh, we unleashed and uh, uncovered an entire sefer, which is called Based Tefillah, written by Rav Yeshua Heller, one of the Tamidei Tamidei Hagoin, and he has just a fabulous interpretation of this. Because we know if you look in Parshas Shmini, there are 20 birds that are mentioned. The Nesher, Peres, Ozniya, Da'a, Aya, Oirev, Basayana, Tachmas, Shachaf, Nates, Kois, Shalach, Yanshuv, Tinshemes, Kaos, Racham, Chasida, Anafa, Duchifas, and Atalef. And if you look in Parshas Re'eh, there are 21 birds mentioned. And if you count all the birds, it's uh, over 21. Nevertheless, the Gemara Nechulin says, the Da'a, the Aya, the Ra'a, the Da'ya, they're all the same bird. And based on this, says Rabbi Shua Heller, there are a total of 19 birds in Parshas Shemini and Re'eh. And of course, how many brachos are there in Shemana Esrei? 19 blessings in Shemayna Esrei. Where are the uh, 19 brachos in Shemayna Esrei? Hmm. Did I not... Um... There are 19 brachos in Shemayna Esrei. Well, if that's the case, if there are 19 brachos in Shemayna Esrei, then... The 19 birds that we have in the um, Parsha Shemini correspond to the 19 brachos of Shemona Esrei. And if you want to have an understanding of how to be mechavin and how to have the proper thoughts and feelings and hargashos and capture the, the imagery and to try to capture the type of focus one should have by each brach of Shemona Esrei, if you study the personality and the nature of each particular bird, each bird will help us focus better 
on the bracha that corresponds to it. So, for instance, it's very interesting, the first bracha is the nesher, correspond, the first bird is the nesher, and the nesher corresponds to the first bracha of Shemana Now, what do we know about the nesher? We know the nesher is the highest flying bird. Now, all the other birds carry its young in its arms because they're afraid an animal, a bird, is going to swoop down on them and take away their young. But the nesher, which is the highest flying bird, carries its young on its wings because it's not afraid that anyone's going to take its young off of its wings. It's afraid someone's going to shoot it. So therefore it says, better that the bullet hit me than to hit my young. So the ultimate mugging, the ultimate shield is the eagle. So if you want to get a feel, what does it mean that God is the shield of Abraham? God is the mugging Avram. Think about what the eagle does. The eagle says, better that the bullet hit me. Like when Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, Hashem had the Anani Akavoid lead us um, and then go behind us. And all the missiles that the Egyptians threw uh, landed on uh, the Anani Akavoid. God said, better for me to take it on the chin for the Jewish people than for them to be harmed. So if you want to get the imagery and the feel, what does it mean that the Rebbe Shem is Mogein Avraham? Study the bird that corresponds to the first bracha of essay, which is the Nesher. And the Nesher um, gives us the right feel and the right uh, understanding of what the, what the meaning of Mogein Avraham is. And the Divrei Yehoshua in the Sefer Beisil went on to explain the second bird is the Peres and the Ozniah. The Ozniah is a Lashon of Oiz, strength that corresponds to Yitzchak and Gevurai, Simchias Hamesim, and the Peres, which means half and half, corresponds to Yaakov Avinu, which is the third bracha, which is the combination of Chesed and Gevura. And then, amazingly, the Rabbi Heller explained that in Vayikra, it says the Da'a and the Aya. Now, in Parshas Re'eh, instead of Da'a and the Aya, we have the Ra'a, the Aya, and the Da'a. In other words, if we go in Parshas Re'eh, instead of what we see over here, the Da'a and the Aya, we have different birds. What do we have there? We have... Sorry, what? We have... Yeah, we have the um, Ra'a, Aya, and Daya. Because in Nusach Ashkenaz, we say, Ato chinin adam das. Da'a corresponds to das. Umelamid l'anosh bina, Aya corresponds to bina, like the Pesach says, Ubina ayei timatse. Chonenu meyitcha deya, bina bahaskel. So we didn't have deya yet. We had Ato chinin das. So the first bird in Re'e is Ra'a, Bina is Aya, the Aya. The Haskel is the Daya. So each bird corresponds to the next bracha. And then the Divrei uh, Yoshua went on to explain that in Tshuva, a person, the next bracha of Shemana Esrei is Tshuva. And when a person does Tshuva, they start off black. And then they want to whiten themselves, which is the opposite of the Oirev, which is born white. And then when they become mature, they turn black. And then the next bracha is Slicha. Slicha's forgiveness, in order to gain a forgiveness, you need to cry out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Which bird is always crying in Tanakh? The ostrich is always crying out. And then after um, the bracha of Slicha, we have Re'eva um, Anyenu, God should see our affliction. The Tachmas is a lashon of Chamas. God should see 
the affliction that we suffer from treachery, and then followed by the shachaf. The shachaf is a uh, referring to Rifa'inu, because one of the sicknesses in the Torah is shachafes, and so on and so forth. So if you want to get all, all the birds, you can listen to parts one through five of the bird series. But tonight, we move on to the final four brachos of Shemayna Esrei, beginning with Shema Koyleinu. And the 16th brach of Shema Esrei is Shema Koyleinu. We go to the 16th bird, the Chasidah. Azriel, what's the Chasidah? A chassid, exactly. A stork. And tonight we're going to learn why chassidim are called storks. Now, um, this corresponds to the brach of tefillah. Now, corresponding to tefillah, we need to know there are three important ingredients in tefillah. For tefillah to be successful, you need to do three things. Number one, you need to pray with the minion. Because the Gemara tells us that when a person um, davens, his tefillah will not be accepted until he davens with, uh, until he puts his heart on his sleeve. In other words, until he davens with all his kavana. The Gemara says, not true. But Shmuel said that even if you're, you're, even if you daven glibly and without any kavana, Hashem accepts your tefillah. And the Gemara answers, it depends. When you daven with a tzibur, Hashem answers you even if you don't have kavana. When you daven with a yachid, with an individual, you better have kavana. So one of the important qualities of davening is davening with a minion. Because when you daven by yourself, God examines every word of tefillah you say. And if it's not with kavana, it's uh, very much, um, j- Hashem is uh, very, scrutinizes every word of tefillah unless you daven b'tzibur. Yeah. Then you have no choice. But you still have to, da- you know, then it's, it becomes imperative to, to daven with extra kavana. Because when a person doesn't daven with a minion, then every word is scrutinized. Now when you daven with a minion then, it's a very big chesed. Because you're doing your friend a favor. Because without you, his tefillah would not be accepted. So the ultimate chesed is to daven with the tzibor. What other ingredients are there in davening? The other ingredient is to be toivel in a mikvah. Now m- many are not careful about that today because the Gemara says that the elders... In the times of Chazal, abolished Tfilas Ezra, which means originally they enacted that if somebody is Tame, if somebody had relations, or if someone's a Balkari, then they have to go to the mikvah. If they don't go to the mikvah, they can't daven. And the Gemara says they abolished that practice, that one is allowed to daven without going to the mikvah. However, some Rishonim learn, they abolished that for learning and for Tefillah. The riff, on the other hand, holds that even Bismanazel, one may not daven without going to the mikvah if they're a balkari. Now, we don't necessarily paskin like the riff, we paskin your ladder daven, but there's certainly such a shita. Now, technically, one would have to go to the mikvah for learning also, according to uh, the original enactment of the Gemara, but there's a way around it, namely, you could think in learning. So, even if a person's tame, even according to in the times that you had to go to the mikvah, you could avoid going to the mikvah by not learning with speaking, but just merely by thinking in your learning. However, tefillah, originally, one would have to go to the mikvah in order to daven. And the third ingredient in tefillah is you need to know the various times. Shabbos davening is different than weekly davening, is different than Rosh Chodesh davening, is different than Yom Tif davening. 
the, you have to know the Zmane Tfila at certain times, uh, you can't daven anymore. Sometimes a person uh, always has to be aware of Zman Krishma, Zman Tfila, Shkia, and so on and so forth. So the bird that corresponds to the bracha of Shema Koilenu is the Chasidah, the stork. Because there are three things we know about the stork. Number one, the Gemara in Chulun says, why is a Chasidah called a Chasidah if in fact it's just the Daya Levana? So the Gemara says it does Chesed to its, to its friends. So the greatest Chesed is when a person diamonds with a minion because you're helping your friend's tefillah be Nishabel. So if you want to know what the important ingredients of tefillah are, study the characteristics of the stork. Na- namely, the stork is, uh, shows kindness to its friends. So the first important ingredient of tefillah is you have to show its community kindness by davening with a minion. Number two, the gra reveals an amazing thing. The practice of the chasidah is that after Tashma it always goes to the mikvah. It always dun- dunks in the river. That's what the Gros says. Now, Chazal say a little differently. Chazal say the Chasida is a very uh, promiscuous bird. So it's mezana, And so that its mate doesn't know it's mezana, it washes itself off so they shouldn't smell somebody else. But the Gros understands that it's uh, an act of purity. That after it has relations, it goes to the mikvah. So if you want to know what's the second important ingredient in the mikvah, in uh, tefillah, think about the stork. The stork is busy in the mikvah. Which mikvah? The Vizhnitzer mikvah, the Satmar mikvah, whichever mikvah it goes to. Now, you'll say, oh, come on, I don't go to the mikvah. I'm not, now, but by the way, now you know why a chassid is called a stork. Because, you know, chassidim go to the mikvah, like storks, you know. That's where it comes from. Where do you think it comes from? Especially breasts of chassidim, they're white, they wear white. But besides that, why, why are Hasidim called Hasidim? Because the birds that they're named after, they go to the mikvah. Okay, you heard it here first. Now you say, okay, I don't go to the mikvah. You're halacha, you're ladder, davin, even if a person's tameh. But there, there is a requirement of ruchitza before davening, which means that before every tefillah, shachris mincha marav, you must wash your hands. So it means you come to shul for mincha, you have to wash your hands. Ah, I don't, well, my hands aren't dirty. It doesn't matter. You have to wash them. You have to wash your hands for mincha. You also have to wash your hands for marav. It's just if you daven mincha marav back to back and you're not mesiach das, then the, the washing for mincha covers for marav. And therefore we come to a very important halacha. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you got to do is you have to wash negolaser. Because uh, during the nighttime, your soul goes up to heaven. And when the soul leaves the body, all the forces of impurity connect themselves to the body. And the body is uh, tummy. So when you wake up in the morning, you want to wash your hands. You're not allowed to touch your orifices before you wash your hands. You don't want to get tumma in your eyes. Even if your eye is closed, you can't put your finger on top of your eye, on top of your ear. You have to wash your hands first thing in the morning. That is to remove ruach ra'ah, and it has nothing to do with davening. Then you go to the bathroom, you get dressed, your hands are dirty again. You wash your hands a second time before you're ready to daven, either right before you leave your house or in the shul. So you're saying, does that mean I have to wash my hands twice in the morning? Absolutely. A Jew has to wash their hands twice every morning. First thing when you wake up, and then again for prayer. When you wash your hands for prayer, 
you make a bracha. You know what bracha you make? Asher kedushanu b'mitzvayis v'tzivanu al netilas yadayim. What do you mean? I'm not eating bread. Now this is not for bread. This is for tefillah. Chazal were masakin netilas yadayim for shachris. We wash for mincha marav as well, but we don't make a bracha. But in the morning we make a bracha. So um, cleanliness, whether it's immersion in a mikvah or washing your hands, is a critical part of tefillah. That's the other characteristic of the stork. So if you want to think about what, what is important for davening, think about the stork. The stork does chesed to its friends, which reminds us to daven with a minion. The stork goes to the mikvah. And the third thing we know about the stork, look at number three. It says, Gam chasida bashamayim The stork knows the times. So he knows Alei Chashachar. He knows Neitzachama. He knows Shkia. He knows Tzeisakrechavim. He knows Chatzos Halayla. That is the third ingredient of the stork. Okay, Marv Rabbi that is blessing number 16. We now come to blessing number 17. You have the right sheet? I think you have mine. You probably part one, right? You have Chelek Vav? We now come to the 17th bracha. What's the 17th bracha, Azriel? Ritzay. What is the prayer of Ritzay? We're asking God, accept our prayer. Ratzayim. Favor. Goodwill. What is the opposite of goodwill? Badwill. Azriel, very good. You must have had um, chicken soup with matzo balls last Friday night. No? Rubik's Cube. The opposite of goodwill is anger. Kas and Ratzon are opposite. Like we say in Perkei Yavos. Noyach Lirtzois, Venoyach Lichois. Noyach Lichois, Venoyach Lirtzois. Ratzon and Kas are opposites. Now, the purpose of Karbonois is to gain God's Ratzon, favor. Like we say, I don't even know if the sound's working tonight. How does the next part go? The Mizbeach brings Ratzayim. Goodwill. So Mizbeach brings goodwill, and the opposite of goodwill is anger. That means the Karbonois overcome God's kas. Hashem is becharoin af. The Karbonois gain God's rotsoin. Or like the Pasuk says in Malachi, Belakachas rotsoin miyedchem. Except the carbon, the carbon is called rotsoin. Now, what part of the body is anger associated with? You get angry in your what? Voice? Heart? Fingers? Liver, kidneys, blood, charoin, af. You get angry in your nose. How do we say anger? I thank you, Hashem, that you got angry at me. Af, anaf. Anger is referenced by the nose. Or like Rivka tells Yaakov, Adshuv af achicha. Not until your brother's nose returns, but until your brother's anger is reverted. 
So anger is associated with the nose. Well, if anger is associated with the nose and carbonos overcome anger, where will carbonos be accepted? In the what of Hashem, in the figurative nose of Hashem, like the Pasuk says. Yasimu ketayra, yasimu ketayra be'apecha. The ketaris will be, rise up in your nose. Or vayarach Hashem. Esrecha anichayach Hashem smelled the carbonos. Because anger is in the nose and goodwill is in the nose and carbonos create goodwill and therefore they are accepted in the nose. Therefore, the next bird that corresponds to Ritzay is the Anafa. The Anafa, the Anafa is the Dayaragzanas. First of all, the word Anafa sounds like the angry-nosed bird, like angry birds. And it's called Dayaragzanas, the angry bird. Why? So the Gemara in Chulin says it, 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 it commits adultery. It's minaif with its friends. However, says Rabbi Yeshua Heller, in his opinion, the reason why the bird that corresponds to Ritzei is called the anger bird, because since the purpose of Ritzei is to gain God's goodwill, Hashem should find favor with us and accept our karbanois, and the opposite of favor is anger, and anger rises up in the nose, and good favor rises up in the nose, and carbonoids are associated with Hashem's sense of smell, so to speak. Therefore, the bird that represents God accepting our prayer and our carbonoids is the bird that is referenced by the nose, the anafa, the bird of the nose, the bird of anger. Because if you want to know what is Ritzay trying to accomplish, it's trying to overcome, trying to elicit, trying to engender the goodwill and the Ratzon of Hashem to overcome Hashem's kas and to find Ratzon with us. You like that? Not bad. We get up to blessing number 18. Moidim. Moidim anachnu lach. We thank you, Hashem. Which is the 18th bird in Shemini. The Duchifas which is the mountain chicken. Now, by the way, what do we know about the mountain chicken? Do you remember there was once upon a time a king named Solomon? Solomon? And he wanted to build the Beis HaMikdash. And in order to build the Beis HaMikdash, you need stone. And in order to carve out the stone from the mountain, you need a special worm. What's the worm called? The Shamir worm, Right? And the only one who knows where the Shamir worm is, says the Gemara in Gitin on Samach Chesam and Beis, and the Gemara in Chulin on Daf Samach Gimel Amaralov, is the Duchifas, which is the Nagartura, the mountain bird. And the Nagartura was able to get the Shamir worm for Shlomo HaMelech. Now, what do we know about the Duchifas? Azriel, we know one thing about the Duchifas. It becomes, one thing that we know, it comes before the Atalif. And another thing we know about it, aside from the fact that it comes after the Anafa, is that it has a comb. It has like a, you know, the hair on top of its head of a rooster. But it's comb, what, how do you say the comb of a bird in Hebrew? Haidai. Interesting. Haid. Thank, gratitude. It's, the Gemara Chulun says number 14, Hoidoi Kapois. Its comb is thick. Rashi says, Karbaltoi Ova. 
and it looks like it's bent into its head and it's bent over. Wow, what do we do by Moidim? You bend over in gratitude. So the bird that represents Moidim is the Duchifas, which has this bent over comb, which, what, how, what do you call the comb? Haidai. It's, it's comb, it's gratitude, it's feathers of gratitude, and it's bent over. So it looks like it's saying Moidim. Amazing. The, the comb of the Haidai bird, of the Duchifas, the comb, the Haidai, is Kapois, which represents the bracha of Maidim. So that's an amazing thing. The bracha, the bird that corresponds to Maidim is the bird that has a bent-over hoid, a bent-over display of gratitude. That's pretty remarkable. You like that, Mr. Sultan? Thank you for joining us. I don't think ever... Um, have I seen you on the share? Welcome, welcome. Okay. In any event... The um, Rabbi Yeshua Heller then analyzes a whole series of psukim in Eoiv to uncover a very interesting aspect of uh, human nature and an interesting aspect of this duchifas, uh, which is called the Nagar uh, Tura or the Tarnagal Bara, the wild chicken. And that is, take a look in the Pesukim in Eoiv in number 17. Knaf, I'm going to read and translate. And actually, the English translation did not translate these Pesukim accurately, as we're going to see in Rabbi Shua Helen. Please take a look at number 17. Knaf, the Pesuk says as follows. Knaf rinanim ne'elasa. The wings of the ostriches is a delight. We're going to see the renonym is actually not the ostrich, contrary to its translation in the English, but rather it's referring to the Duchifas as the Targum Yonasim ben Uziel translates it as Tarnagal Bara. Im Evra Chasidavanaitza, the stork with its pinion and feathers. These two birds do something rather odd. Most birds, they lay eggs where? Ira. A bird. No, you have birds in your backyard. On occasion. What kind of birds do you have? Cardinals. I got some cardinals. You have any of those uh, those green parrots in your backyard? No. There are a bunch in your neighborhood. You know that. You know, I'm an I'm an expert in the nature trail over there, but uh, yeah. So. The um, most birds lay eggs in the tree, and that that would think that that one would think is a smart thing to do because it's high up and it's safe from predators. But there are two birds that are ibrachachamim. You know, they're, they're, they want to outsmart everybody. That is the renanim, which we're going to see is the duchifas, and the stork. You know what they say? We don't want to lay eggs up in the tree. What if the egg falls out of the tree? It's going to crack open. As real, what happens to an egg if it falls out of a tree? As real. Say that it cracks. cracks. So these birds are afraid. So you know what they do? They go to an uninhabited area and they put the egg in the sand and the sand is usually warm and the warm sand um, allows the egg to develop and to hatch. It forsakes in the earth its eggs and it is warmed in the dust. It forgets that it will be trampled by foot, and will be stepped on by the wild animals. 
She forgets, um, she becomes hardened to her children as if they're not hers. It's toils in vain without fear. Now why does it do that? You see, it, it thinks it's smart. Most birds put its eggs up in the tree. But it's afraid the egg is going to fall out of the tree. So what does it do? It puts the egg in the sand. But it's completely absent-minded to the fact that an animal could come along and step on it and destroy it. Now why doesn't it think about that possibility? You know why? Because God removed all wisdom from her heart. Never endowed her with Bina. Says Rabbi Shua Heller, it's not that these birds are evil or mean, and he brings a proof from the Gemara Bechayrois, that the Gemara asks that actually the Renanim is very kind to the bird, to its young, but it just, so to speak, doesn't think about all the possibilities. And it gives the following illustration of uh, the foibles of human nature. You know, um, human nature, says Rabbi Shua Heller, is man always thinks, how can I accumulate more and more money and put away my assets and put away my resources so I don't have to work as much and I don't have to work as hard. And not only that, man is always thinking about how can I put away my assets so my children could have my, uh, could inherit my estate and inherit my money and they'll have a good life. And man is always planning and scheming how do I get around? Well, if I give, uh, if I have too much money to Yarshim to them, they're going to be taxed. So I'll give them small gifts before I go. And this way, man has it all planned out how he's going to hold on to his money forever and ever, if not him, his children, his grandchildren, until the end of time. And if somebody sort of uh, lives the good life and doesn't have to work so hard, they look at a guy who's schwitzing and waking up early in the morning and really uh, um, putting in a full day's work, and he thinks to himself, oh, that guy is a loy yitzlach. He doesn't understand how this world works. The guy is, uh, you know, he's not as successful as I am. But very often in life, man's plans and man's machinations and man's schemes, they backfire. And in uh, time is treacherous, time is bogeyed. And sometimes within uh, the flash of an eye, sometimes within Kaharafayin, a person's fortune could completely change. And all of a person's plans and schemes, every plan he thought would bring him success could backfire. And it's because uh, the Rebbe Hashem doesn't endow us with as much bina as we think. Uh, as we think. In other words, why aren't people more grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Because basically you have two choices in this world. You could throw your eggs in God's basket or you could put in your own basket. You throw your eggs in your own basket so you think everything in life is dependent on your ingenuity and your planning and your scheming. And then if things are good, you say, uh, it was all me. Uh, I'm successful because I was industrious and I had good ideas. And if you're not successful, I blew it. And such a person will have a hard time showing gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But someone who realizes that uh, that all of man's uh, fortune and success or lack thereof is all beyond HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So a person realizes that everything he has in every moment of life is dependent on the good graces of the Almighty. And that is the attitude necessary to have a true haida. So the bird that represents proper haida is the duchifas. Why? Because the duchifas 
He thinks he's so smart, he puts his egg in the sand. Little does he know how stupid he is. Because he puts the egg in the sand, the animals step on the egg, humans step on the egg, and he is leaving his entire mazel up to his own fortune instead of leaving it up in the nest and leaving it up to, so to speak, the mazel that God gave him. And this is, therefore, says Rabbi Shua Heller, the uh, attitude one has to avoid in order to have difficulty thanking Hashem. If a person is going to leave their whole life up to their planning, and you know, some people have their whole life planned out, every detail of their life has to be and and it's hard to have gratitude to Hashem under, under uh, such a life because a uh, person thinks it's all because of what he did. So the Hashem teaches Eoiv through the Duchifas not to have ev- not to plan every single last detail out in life. Sometimes you could pull rest things in the hands of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and if one does that, it's easier to come to gratitude. That is the 18th bird of the birds in Parashat Shemini, corresponding to the 18th bracha of Shemona Esrei. And Marv Rabbi now we come to the bird you've all been waiting for. The Atalif. Which Rashi and Hulan translates as a mouse with wings. What do you call a mouse with wings? A bat. Now we're going to see, it's going to be uh, difficult to really say that it is referring to a bat because of certain characteristic the Gemara gives, but nevertheless, let's, for the sake of simplicity, we're going to call the 19th bird a bat. And the bird of a bat, the bat bird, corresponds to Shalom, peace. Now how does bat, the bat, correspond to peace? Well, sometimes a bat could bring a lot of lack of peace. For example, when a bat escapes from a laboratory in Wuhan, it could create a lot of turmoil in the world. So bats don't always bring peace, but as Rabbi Shua Heller says, the bird that corresponds to the bracha in Shemana Esrei sometimes is the antithesis of what the bracha in Shemana Esrei is supposed to accomplish. So let's try to study the bat based on the connection between the bat and the blessing of Shalim. The Gemara in Shabbos says, Amdav Kuf Nun Beis. Rabbi said to Rabbi Shimon ben Chalafta, Reb Shimon, why didn't you visit me on Yom Tif? You know, you're supposed to visit your Rebbe on Yom Tif. You're supposed to be Mekabel Pnei Rabbi B'moyed. You know that? You have to visit your Rebbe on, on Cholomite. Actually, on, on Yom Tif. Actually, the Gemara derives it from a Pasuk. Loi Shabbos Hayoyim V'loi Chodesh Hayoyim. That the Isha Shunamis came, wanted to visit Elisha, and the husband said, why are you visiting the Rabbi? It's not Rosh Chodesh, it's not Shabbos from which we possibly derive you should visit your Rebbe on Rosh Chodesh. I have a good friend of mine. Every Rosh Chodesh, he knocks on my door. I always say, what are you doing here? Rosh Chodesh, you have to visit, the, uh, visit your Rebbe. I have a chaver. He's Mekayim Nesalacha. I don't know anybody else who does this, but it's Meyusad in the Gemara. But at the very least, on Yom Tif. Now, why don't we do this anymore? There's an interesting tshuva on the night of Yehuda that the Neid of Yehuda says it stems from visiting HaKadosh Baruch on the Shalashu Golem. So since B'zman Azeh, we're not Oilei Regal, 
how could the covet of the Rebbe be greater than the covet of Hashem? So since we're not over the regal, so we're not Mekayim anymore visiting the Rebbe on Yom Tif. So Rebbe asked Rishim and Chalafta, knew, why didn't you visit me? So he said like this, the rocks became higher, which means I'm old. Someone who used to be close is far. I can't travel like I used to. Mishtayim na'asu shalosh, two became three. I used to have two legs. Now I have three. What did he mean now I have three legs? Now I have a cane. Mesim shalom bebayis batel. That which makes peace in the house is not operational. What does that mean? That which makes peace in the house is not operational, says Rashi. The reproductive organ, it's not operational. I'm an old man, meaning I can't come visit you, I'm an old man. But he refers to the Aver of Tashmish as Mesim Shalom, that which makes peace. So we see there's a connection between Zivug, marital relations, and peace. That's what it does. It accomplishes Shalom. It accomplishes Shalom bias. Bear that in mind. Zivug creates Shalom. Mesim Shalom, that which creates peace, is Batel. He said he's an old man. Now we're going to learn a Gemara Brachos. I'm sure you've all heard this Gemara a million times. Reb Chaim heard this Gemara many, many times. But we're going to say a new pshat. Okay? Maybe you didn't hear this pshat before. Rebbe Lezer says, there are three mishmarois in the night. Every night has three watches. On every mishmar, God sits and roars like a lion. So every four hours, there is a watch in the night. What, and these watches are demarcated by certain natural phenomena. So four hours into the night is, the Gemara says, Mishmara Rishayna Chamar Noyar, the donkey braze. Shnia, the second uh, Mishmar, Klavim Tsayakim, the dogs, dogs bark. Shlishis, the third Mishmar, Tinaik Yonik Mishte Imai, a child suckles from his mother, Vi'isha Misapar Sambala, and a husband, a woman speaks to her husband. You ever hear that Gemara? Avada, it's a famous Gemara. The Gemara says the night is broken up into three guards. The first guard, the donkey brays. The second guard, the dogs bark. The third guard, what happens? A woman speaks to her husband and a baby suckles from its a woman, a baby suckles from its mother. Says the Holy Zayar Akadash. Bris Mila, the Ois Bris Kaidesh. Zivug is connected to Shalim. Pinchas, because he was zealous regarding the abuse of the brismila of Zimri, God gave him the blessing of peace. The Zayar says, Sim Shalom is Keneged, the Bris Kodesh. Yaakov Avinu is Keneged, the Brach of Shalom. How's that? Avais is Avraham. Gevurais is Yitzchak. Kedusha is Yaakov, right? You know that? The first Bracha, Magen Avraham. Atagibar, Yitzchak was Gevurais, is Yitzchak Avinu. Yaakov is Kadosh, Atta Kadosh. But the same way the first three brachos of Shemana Esrei correspond to the Avais, the last three brachos correspond to the Avais. Ritzay is Avraham. Moedim is Yitzchak. Yaakov Avinu is Shalom. Like the Pasuk says, Ureivanim levanecha, Shalom al 
Yisrael. Shalom belongs to Yaakov, to Yisrael. Shalom is the midah of Yaakov. Why? Because Yaakov Avinu makes shalom between the midah of Avraham. Daniel, what's the midah of Avraham? Chesed. Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Isaac. What's the midah of Yitzchak? Kaburais. Din. So we have Avraham as chesed. Who comes from Avraham? Yishmael. Who takes chesed to the extreme? What does Yishmael compare to? Donkey. Yitzchak is midas hadin. What's the extreme of Yitzchak? Esav, Amalek, the dog. So Avraham, the Avraham is gematria chamar without the vav. Yishmael comes from Avraham. The first mishmar of the night is Yishmael, the donkey. The first mishmar of the day is Avraham. That's why you could daven shachris until four hours into the day. Four hours into the day is Avraham. Four hours into the night is Yishmael. The next mishmar, Mincha, is the next segment of the day. The next segment of the night are the dogs. Who are the dogs? Esav, Amalek. And the confluence of Avraham and Yitzchak, of Chesed and Din, is Yaakov. Yaakov makes Shalom between Avraham and Yitzchak. So Yaakov is associated with peace. Now, we have a concept. Midas HaChesed and Midas HaDin. Torah Shebechsav and Torah and Yaakov Avinu combines the two. Tarshabh Savin Tarshabalpeh, husband talks to wife. That's a combination of Tarshabh Savin Tarshabalpeh. But there's no real shalom until there's a child. Urebanim Levanecha Shalom. For peace, you need the child. You have a husband and wife in the house without children, things get a little, you know, get a little testy. The child brings uh, them together. Urevanim levanecha shalom al Yisrael. Therefore, says Rabbi Shuhelar, the three mishmaros of the night represent the three avos and that which comes out from them. What comes out from Avraham, Chamor Noyer, the braying donkey, is the first mishmar. What, what's the second mishmar? The, the dogs barking. That comes out of Yitzchak Avinu. That's the second mishmar of the night. But the ultimate peace and the ultimate confluence of Abraham and Yitzchak is the husband who talks to the wife. That's the combination of the two midos, Tarshavach Sav and Tarshavach from which comes Tinoik Yoinek Mishadei Imoy. Suckling from the Dadeha of the mother is analogous to learning Taira. Like Chazal say, the same way a child, when he nurses from the mother, he always experiences new flavor. So too, when you learn Taira, you always experience new insight. So the ultimate symbol of peace is the husband talking to the wife, which is representative of the zivug, from which is produced a child who nurses from the mother. Nursing is the ultimate symbol of shalom. Do any birds nurse? No. The definition of a bird is it lays in eggs and it gathers food for its young. But there is one bird that the Torah classifies as a bird, even though we would classify it as a mammal, that number one, the Gemara says it lays eggs, even though biologically the bat does not lay eggs. But the, the Gemara says it lays eggs, so maybe the Gemara had some type of different creature that's referring to. And the Gemara says it nurses its young. The only flying creature that nurses, the only bird that nurses young is, uh, they have the ductile platypus, which I was zoicha to see. Let's see if anyone here is on the, 
the shear who was with me when I saw the ductal platypus? Nope. Um, sometimes my friend from that, when I went down under, I figured if I'm going to Australia, you know, I, I collect magnets. My advice is I collect magnets. I like collecting magnets from the different Makoi mice. So I, I went to Gold's Sfarum store in uh, Australia, and one of my favorite magnets is this yellow map of Australia magnet, and it says, Australia, what a schlep. That's one of my favorite magnets. Anyway, so they, I went to a zoo, and in the zoo, there's a cage. Turn around, everyone turn around. Look at those black windows. That's what the cage looked like. You, could, you can't see it. It's pitch black inside the cage. What's inside? A duckbill platypus. So we're looking inside. It, they have, it has to be mammoth, pitch black for this creature. It's one of the most bizarre-looking creatures. It's like a thin duck, snake, with a bill, you know, that's what, that's, that's what it looks like, but, it, but it, it likes the dark. So I say, if you go there, don't take out your phone and shine the flashlight on it. They're going to, you know, you can't do that. But the duck-billed platypus is not mentioned in Parshashmini, but the Atalef is mentioned. The Gemara in Bechoyroi says, any bird that gives birth to its young, nurses its young. Any creature that lays eggs, gathers food for its young. The only creature that's a hybrid that gives birth, meaning doesn't lay eggs, but nurses, excuse me, the only creature that lays eggs and nurses is a bat. That's what the Gemara says. The Atalif. So either Atalif is not a bat, or the Gemara's bats were different, but the Gemara says the Atalif is the hybrid between birds and mammals. In other words, it has regular gestation. Is that what it's called? Regular um, pregnancy. It carries its, its young. It doesn't lay an egg. But it nurses. So that's the ultimate symbol of Shalem. As the Gemara says, the ultimate symbol is when Ish is misaperis li'isha and v'tinoik yoinek mishadei imay. The nursing is the ultimate sign of of Shalom, the only bird in the Torah that nurses is the bat. The bat is a symbol of peace. Peace is representative of the union of husband and wife and the Shmira of the Ois Bris Kaidesh. So these, my friends, are the, uh, this is the symbol of Shalom. The symbol of Sim Shalom is the bat. And uh, it's quite ironic that uh, most of the turmoil over the last uh, 13 months was over some kind of uh, supposed bat, but it's all dependent on the bat. When I was in camp once in Pennsylvania, we had bats inside the bunk, and they are not pleasant creatures. If anybody has any insight into what the Gemara means, that they lay eggs and they nurse, I would love to hear about it. But I think uh, one thing we could take away from this whole exposition is that you read in the Torah... These 19 birds, and what Rabbi Shua Heller writes in his uh, introduction to the subject, is that these are the 19 birds that are representative on the entire, of the entire gamut of creation. God made 19 birds. They are reflective of the entire gamut of everything under the sun. And therefore, the blessings of Shemana Esrei correspond to these 19 uh, birds. And you could be sure that the Anshik and Azagdo, when they formulated Shemana Esrei, they saw in these 19 birds how they're reflective of all aspects of creation, and therefore they jam-packed all 19 brachos of Shemana Esrei with 
prayers for anything that a human being could possibly want and need and be misfollowed for. So if you want to get a more graphic picture of what does it mean Hashem is our shield, what does it mean, so think about the nesher, the ego, what does it mean to do tshuva and to really cry to Hashem, think about the ostrich. By the way, another aspect of uh, forgiveness is you can't ever go back to the sin, like the ostrich can't walk backwards, you know, that's just a little addition. Or the raven, if you want to know what you need to do to do tshuva, the opposite of the raven, you need to, from black, turn white. And uh, studying these birds will give us a deeper insight into um, the various brachas that we say. And the recap of tonight is Shema Koyleinu is the stork, which does chesed, he goes to Minyan, he's toivel in the mikvah, he knows the various times, Ritzei, which we're trying to gain Hashem's favor through the Anafa, which is the bird of anger. We're trying to overcome Hashem's kas. The brach of Moidim is the Duchifas that has the doubled crown as if it's bending over. And finally, the Atalef, which is the bat, which is the ultimate symbol of Shalom. And I am Mavarech, everyone, you should be Zoycha to the great symbol of peace, which is not the dove, which is the bat. So next time, you know, you want to give somebody the symbol of peace, you could flash your, the bat symbol, and we should be zoicha, ureivonim, levanecha, shalom, al Yisrael. Thank you for coming. Agatanach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.